Uh, good morning again. Glad, great to see you guys. How many of y'all have a great Christmas? How many recovering? Be honest, be honest. All right, a few of us. That's all right. Hey, we're glad you're here and, and prayed that you guys had a great Christmas. Look at the person next to you and let them know. Say, I think, I think you've lost a little bit of weight since last week. Let them know. They're be, encourage them. Encourage them. Look like you've lost a little weight since before Christmas. So. <laughs> Some of y'all thinking, yeah. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here. And uh, in just a moment, Corey's going to come up here and speak. And just before he does, I uh, want to just encourage you just to put this in front of you. As you heard on Church News, our 21 days of prayer and fasting begins next Sunday, everybody. It is one of my favorite times of the year. If, if fasting is something that's new to you or you've never been a part of our prayer rally nights, man, I'm just telling you, it is something to be experienced. And uh, we are really looking forward to this time together, that's for sure. And so we'll have, I'll tell you more information on just what the prayer rally nights kind of look like next Sunday uh, when I preach. But, um, but we also kick off a new series called Game Changer. And uh, I, I want to talk to you about some things that I think will help produce some game-changing, uh, not just moments, but some defining things I think that will help uh, your life, my life, uh, to really help set the course of 2020. And maybe you ask me, why, why do this at the beginning of the year, prayer and fasting? Because we just believe how you start is really indicative of how you finish. And so we believe 2020 can be the best year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. And so we just want to be uh, come alongside you, encourage you in this race, and know that you are not alone, amen, and, um, and that we're going to see God move in a powerful way in this next year, because, uh, y'all, we got a building. Come on, we got a building that we need and that we're going to go after in Jesus' name, and so, uh, and, and, and so we just continue to trust God in all that he is doing. But, um, and we'll be back to our normal service times next Sunday, uh, 3. I know we've got some 9 a.m. folk up in here, like, Pastor, Pastor, I like, I like that 9 a.m., you know. And so, anyways, uh, it'll, it'll be back next week for you, and we'll be back to three services. But, um, but we're just uh, thankful for what God's going to do here today. Um, Corey Nichols is someone that's no stranger to this church. Uh, man, he has spoken here. Uh, he really kind of speaks. We were talking a little bit last night. We got to hang out, watch some of the, first of all, got to see uh, the Lord's team win, the Irish. All right, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody shout, go Irish, amen. Uh, it wasn't the bowl that we wanted to be in, uh, but uh, got snubbed in my opinion, but we won't, I won't go into that. But, uh, but nonetheless, there's some other great games on, and, and uh, man, Oklahoma got drilled, didn't they? We watched that, and, and then uh, Ohio State should have won that in my opinion. I think uh, the refs uh, kind of blew that one for the Buckeyes. And I know we got a lot of Buckeye fans in here. I'm, I'm well aware of that in our church. And so, and I'm from Columbus, and my in-laws are here, so I'm being extra good today. And so, but, um, but it was a great, great, great game last night. And so, man, we got to hang out, though, and uh, just catch up a little bit. And, uh, of course, speaks a couple times a year for us. Uh, he is with Destiny Rescue, which you know is one of our partnering uh, missions uh, that we, we give into. But today's special because it's not uh, uh, Destiny Rescue related. I just love his heart so much too and just love what God is doing in him. And um, and he's a friend to me. He's a friend to Bethany and I. I consider him family. Uh, his parents, Pastor Mike and Sherry, there they are. They're sitting on this side. Y'all messing with me. I'm looking over here. There you are. <laughs> and um, if y'all don't know, that's their son. And so, but he's no stranger. But man, what God's doing in his life. And and I'd love for you just to share a snippet just of what God's doing with Destiny Rescue. Because we, they, you know, and partnering with them saw some incredible things, historic numbers this year, uh, just as it relates to helping to rescue those uh, children and uh, that's being uh, sex trafficked and but seeing man uh, those the, the men and the different ones that are trying to sell these kids put 
uh, in jail and arrested, amen, and so there's a lot of wins with that, but uh, he has a heart for the local church, he's got a heart for people, and I love this man uh, so much, appreciate your friendship, Corey, and who you are, and so Elevate, would y'all stand to your feet and welcome Corey Nichols as he speaks today, come on. Hello, hello, it's wonderful to be back, it's an honor to be back here at Elevate. God's doing some amazing things around the world, it's an honor to, to serve in God's kingdom, amen? It's wonderful. Well, Destiny Rescue has had a record-breaking year. This past year, as Pastor Kyle was mentioning, we've rescued over 1,400 victims, 40% of them being minors. Amazing. We've had 109 traffickers arrested and put in jail, and we've had 53 successful raids and counting. So God has just really given us favor, and many kids and families are now free to experience the love of God and to live out their purpose free of sexual abuse. So I uh, just could not be more excited and grateful for the impact that Elevate is making in the lives of children around the world. But as Pastor Kyle mentioned, I have a real passion for the body of Christ, for God's people, that they would grow up and become all that God's created them to be. And to be um, the fruit bearers that God ultimately wants each of us to be. Each of you are here for a specific purpose on this earth. God's equipped you, he's anointed you, he's empowered you to do something. You can't, there's no one person that's alike and God has created you in this time frame to make a significant difference in this earth. But we have an enemy that wants to try to stop us and keep us from experiencing God's best. He deceives us, he tries to sideline us and keep us on the sideline, licking our wounds. And so in, instead of being fruit bearers, we're, we're complainers, we get negative, we, 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 we tell God all the reasons why we can't when he has said it is finished and that he's given us all the reasons why we can. Amen? So today, I, there's a message been stirring in my heart. It has been for the last several months, and I've shared it at other churches, but I feel God has highlighted this message for this church as well. And it is called, What Are You Contagious With? Faith or Fear? What are you contagious with, faith or fear? The word contagious means this from the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. Transmissible by direct or indirect contact with an infected person. A person has an illness and through contact passes the illness on to others. You're contagious and you begin to infect others with what you have. You begin to infect others with what you have. For example, the virus... Ebola was a big outbreak that took place in Africa, and they didn't even know how to, there was no known cure for it, and so people were just contracting this illness, and the majority of the people that contracted it died. Fear swept across much of Africa, and there were cases that were getting outside of Africa, so they would shut down borders, and they wouldn't let people out. They tried to quarantine this illness, and, and so people that contracted, like, were contagious, and the way people were infected primarily were through blood, feces, and vomit. So if you, if you were around a person with Ebola, like you potentially could get it, and that was really scary because most people died from it. So it was a great outbreak. But there's also another definition of the word contagious, to excite similar emotions or, con or conduct in others. To excite similar emotions or conduct in others. For example, to have a contagious laugh. If you've been around somebody that's laughing like crazy, you all of a sudden start laughing with them. It's contagious. 
But there's also another emotion. Like people many times in, in uh, war experience paralyzing fear. They, they can't push forward on the front lines because they're afraid of dying. And you see soldiers immobilized with fear that has literally paralyzed them. And they're watching their fellow soldiers die at the hands of another person. But their two um, fears grip them so much that they can't do anything but just watch instead of helping their fellow soldier. And that is another form of con- of, uh, of contamination is fear. Fear is contagious. And it can sweep amongst Um, military and and armies, but it can also sweep across the body of Christ. It can sweep across your life. In other words, what you carry inside of you can infect other people. And God, I have a question for you today. What are you contagious with? Faith or fear? One of the greatest enemies in the body of Christ today is fear. It will keep you from experiencing God's best. It will keep you from experiencing the, 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 the plan and purpose God has for you. And so it's important that we learn how to fight against fear. Abraham was promised by God that his people would inherit a land. Genesis 15, 18 says this, So the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, Abram. That day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. God gave, so what God was saying was, I'm giving you this land. It's called the promised land. And your descendants are going to inherit it one day. But before that happens, you, your descendants are going to be enslaved in Egypt for 430 years. But I'm going to pull them out of that land and the oppression of the Egyptians, and I'm going to give this land to you. It was a promise from God. Well, God raised up Moses after 430 years of captivity in Egypt against the most powerful nation in the world at that time, and Pharaoh. This is what um, God says in Exodus 3, 7 through 8. Then the Lord told him, Speaking of Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and all the ites now live. So God was saying, I promised this to Abraham, and now I'm about to move on behalf of my people and bring this promise to pass. It wasn't something that they just thought up, this is what we want for ourselves. It was God promised to give them this land. And when God promises something to you, he's going to fulfill it. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Eventually, he is faithful to bring to pass every promise. He promises them and you and I. God raised Moses up and did great exploits and proved his power to Pharaoh. And eventually he let his pe- the Israelites go. And they came up against the Red Sea. 
and the Red Sea had never parted before. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh's army was against them, and they were crying out to God, did you bring us here to die? And God was like, nope. I'm about to do something you've never seen before. And he parted the Red Sea. They walked across on dry ground. And then the Pharaoh, the Bible says he, God hardened his heart. And they went after the Israelites. And the waters came crashing down upon them. And God defeated that mighty enemy of the Israelites. They went on into uh, the wilderness. And God provided for them food and water. He provided, um, he was their shepherd. He led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And he was with them all along the way. And he fought against two kings on, right outside of, of the, um, the promised land. And he defeated them in a mighty way. And God just proved his faithfulness to them over and over again. And then they came up right at the edge of the promised land. Right before they were going to take it. And God said to Moses, send in 12 spies. So he sent in 12 spies to scout out the land. And sure enough, they came back, and this is what they said. Ten spies said this in Numbers 13, 27 through 33. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites and Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb cried out to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We, certain, we can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We, saw, we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. The ten spies had an inaccurate report. They looked through an inaccurate lens, a lens of fear. They let, they let their circumstances like get the best of them. They failed to realize the incredible work that God had just done on their behalf, bringing them out of Egypt, defeating the two kingdoms right before they were going into the promised land. God was with them to bring victory across their path and to fulfill the promise he told them he would fulfill. But yet they came back and said, nope, it's too big for us. God, what'd you do, bring us out here to kill us? How on earth could we possibly go in there? Their perspective was skewed. They let fear grip them. And it was contagious. <clears throat> Numbers 14, 1 through 4 says this. Then the whole community, not just the ten spies, the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Would it be better for us, wouldn't it be better for us to, to return to Egypt? And then they plotted amongst themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. What the ten spies said did not only affect them. 
it infected a whole community of people. And what's sad about that is a whole generation of God's people did not enter the land that God promised to give them. What does that say to you and I today? Are we letting fear rule our hearts and telling God all the reasons why we can't do something when he's anointed us, he's empowered us to take the land which he's called us to possess as individuals, a part of the body of Christ? What are you magnifying today in your heart? Are you magnifying the, the trustworthiness and faithfulness of God? Or are you letting these lies and these, these inaccurate lenses, uh, of a lens of fear, keeping you from experiencing God's best? In other words, has God told you that he's called you to start a ministry, to write a book, to lead a small group? to serve in something, and you're giving God all the reasons why you can't because fear has gripped you. You're looking through an inaccurate lens. When he's anointed you, he's telling you to step out of the boat and begin to possess the land which he's given you. Don't live another day letting fear rule you. Listen to God's still, small voice. He wants to lead you into a land of victory and strength. Joshua and Caleb saw things differently. This is what they said. Numbers 14, 6 through 11. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jeff, whatever, tore the, the clothing. <laughs> I like that. They said to all the people of Israel, the land, was, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with, with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is rich. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They're only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me, even after all the miraculous signs I've done among them? You see, fear can infect not only you, it's contagious. It affects a whole community. So this is, this is what's crazy. After that whole generation died out, God spoke to Joshua and said, Moses, my servant is dead. It's time for you to take my people into the land I promised to give them. Only do this, Joshua, be strong and courageous. He said it three times in, the, in Joshua chapter 1. Why? Because fear has a tendency to come to all of us. Fear has a tendency to distort our perspective and keep us from experiencing the truth. But God spoke to Joshua and said, be strong and courageous. You're going to feel fear. The giants are going to look big. But I have gone before you into this land, and I will fight for you to accomplish all that I promised I would give you. This is what... So Joshua decided he was going to send two scouts out and he was going to go look at the fortified city of Jericho. And he gets, they get there and Rahab, the prostitute, decides she is going to tell them what all the people in the land actually thought of the Israelites. Not what the Israelites perceived, but what they actually thought of the Israelites. Joshua 2, 8 through 11. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. 
We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. We, and we know what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Perspective is everything. What perspective are you looking through? Are you looking through a carnal lens of reasoning through your own flesh? Or you have a heavenly perspective through the power and the anointing of God. What he says he will bring to pass. He has called you, he's anointed you, he's equipped you for such a time as this to go in and possess the land he's called you to possess. Is fear contaminating you? And is it not only contaminating you, but of people all around you? You see, fear is contagious. It doesn't just stay on you, it, it goes to other people. And my heart today is this, that you would rise up, you would draw a line in the sand and you'd say, I'm no longer going to be a person that lives in fear, but I'm going to choose faith despite how I feel because I know that God is with me and that he is for me. <clears throat> Ten years ago, I had a dream, a literal dream, and it was a godly dream. And in this dream, I was on a path, and the path represented the destiny and the purpose of my life, and I was headed down to fulfill my purpose. It would be much like Pilgrim's Progress. And on this dream, all of a sudden, as I'm walking along fulfilling my purpose, I came up a roadblock. A monster was in the middle of the road. It was a big Mr. Potato Head. And I promise you it was scary. In the dream, it was really scary. I promise. And every time I tried to walk past, through, or around this monster, it made this ugly face and fear gripped me. And I sat on the side of the road and I could not continue. And it happened over and over again in the dream. And on, all of a sudden, this thought came into my mind, it's only a mirage. It's not really real. So I ran and I grabbed a stick and I went and I swiped at it and sure enough, it went straight through it. And so I mustered up enough courage. I'm going to walk through this thing on the way to my purpose. And when I mustered up all the courage I could possibly think of, I started walking straight towards it. And at this point, it made the ugliest, most nasty face it had ever made up until that point. It was the biggest bluff in the world. And fear was trying to grip me. But I remember in the dream saying, I believe, I believe, I believe. And I walked straight through it and fulfilled my purpose in life. Fear will come to you. But it's only a mirage. It is only a mirage. It feels real, but it's an inaccurate depiction of what's truly happening in life. And God wants you and he wants me to trust him versus what our current circumstances are trying to tell us. What the enemy is whispering in our ears. What other people are whispering in our ears. Could it be that they can sideline you and keep you from experiencing God's very best? And I'm here today to tell you, you are to fulfill the purpose God's created you. Listen to his voice. Get close to him. He will lead you into the full plan and purpose he has for you. You see, um, several years later, I was at a crossroads in my life. I had finally went through a financial collapse, and I started writing, and I realized God had given me a gift to write. He was leading me in this direction. And all of a sudden, I came um, across this organization that needed a writer, Destiny Rescue. 
and I eventually said yes to writing for them. And I raised the funds to work for them overseas, internationally, and I was moving to Chiang Rai, Thailand. And I was, got my plane ticket, and I flew to Bangkok, and I spent the night in this hotel, and then I was to fly out the next day to Chiang Rai, Thailand, and start my job. Well, I didn't have a degree in writing. I was a landscape architect, and all of a sudden, I found myself as a writer. And God was elevating me, but I was insecure because I didn't have a degree. And what would people think of me? And so I was in this hotel room with no English, so I had a lot of time to think that evening. And all these thoughts started bombarding me. You don't have what it takes to be a writer for this organization, Tom. You're going to fail. And, of course, they're not going to like you. So you might as well just pack your bag and go home right now before you even get started. It would save everybody a lot of trouble. These thoughts just kept whispering, and it was this weight that just kept, it was just so heavy on my heart. And I remember just getting on my knees and saying, God, what do you say? And the scripture in Joshua 1, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? You see, fear comes to us all, but it's what you do with it that matters. God wants you to push through it on your way to victory. And the dream that God gave me about this Mr. Potato Head being a mirage of fear, and that I had to step through it on my way to my purpose. And I made the decision that day, I'm going to choose to trust God, not the way that I feel. Not these lies being whispered in my ear. And I chose that day to step through it. And I went up to Chiang Rai and I became their senior writer. And my role quickly grew to become their international media director. And God just gave me favor. Not because I deserved it, but I chose to trust and believe in him and his anointing on my life. Not my capability, but his power. My... Eventually, I came back to the United States, and God was asking me to be a voice for these kids. And so today, I travel all over the United States, shedding light on this issue. Well, recently, I was given the opportunity to speak at a conference in New Jersey. But they said, Corey, we don't want you to necessarily speak about destiny rescue. We want you to speak on courage and overcoming fear. Pretty much this message. And what was interesting is... Some of the largest Christian voices in Christianity today in the United States were on this platform speaking, and I was given this opportunity to share uh, during this time, and fear was trying to grip me. I felt my heart going like this, God, what are they going to think of me? What are they going to think of me? And God whispered, it doesn't matter what they think of you. It matters what I think of you, and I've anointed you, and I've appointed you for such a time as this. You don't have to please people. You just get on your knees before God and say, God, I want to live my life in light of who you are, and I want to hear your voice, and I want to step in the direction you're asking me to go. And when you choose to live in obedience to God, and you choose to step out in faith, he will take you places you could never dream of. 20 years ago, someone prayed over my life. They saw me speaking in stadiums of people. And within about a week, I'm joining Winter Jam Tour, and we'll be speaking in arenas all over the United States. God has a way of fulfilling the dreams he's put in us. But it's going to take courage to do that. Little old Corey from Harlan, Indiana, God is raising up to be a voice for his people and to defend those that can't stand up for themselves. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. He's not a respecter of persons. He's looking for people that will be contagious with faith and trust in him and not let fear rule our hearts. 
David was a shepherd boy. He was, he was just tending his father's sheep. He was asked to tend his sheep. And God anointed him to be king. He wasn't king yet, but he was anointed to be king. And then all of a sudden his dad said to him, hey, go check on your brothers. They're on the front lines fighting against the Philistines. Bring word back about how they're doing. So David went there and all of a sudden word got to him that Goliath had been taunting the Israelites for 40 days saying, send out your greatest champion warrior to face me in one-on-one -on -one battle. And if he defeats me, the Philistines will be your servants. But if I defeat your warrior, then all of you Israelites have to be our slaves. Fear gripped the entire Israelite camp, and including Saul, the king. They were so scared, they didn't know what to do. But in 1 Samuel 17, 32 through 37, this is what's said. This is what David said. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For, this, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. David spent time with God, and he knew God had anointed him to be king. And he knew that God would be faithful to bring to pass what he promised him. And this Philistine giant was a mere stepping stone in the path leading to ultimately David becoming who he was created to be. So, and then this is also what David said in 1 Samuel 17, 45 through 47. David said to, this, to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head this very day. I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of, and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All, the, all those gathered here will know this, that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the, Lord, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. He places complete trust in God. And this is what the word goes on to say, that his act of courage and faith and trust in God spurred faith and courage in the Israelite warriors. And they went and they ran after the Philistines and they had a great victory that day. Fear is contagious, but faith is contagious as well. And the question I have again for you today is this. Are you contagious with faith or fear? Are you allowing fear to rob you of God's best and others of God's best? Are you choosing to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what, I'm going to be a person that lives by faith and trust in God. You might ask, how is that possible? How could I be like a David when I feel fear has robbed me much of my life? Well, here, here's some great suggestions for you. 
Number one, spend time with God regularly. Get into his word. Get to know the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When the lies of the enemy start coming at you, you know truth and you can stand up against those lies with the truth of God's word. Remember, perspective matters. The enemy will lie to you to distort truth. But you can stand against those lies by knowing God and believing the truth of his word. The apostles were courageous warriors. They went from scaredy cats to courageous warriors, and they stood in the face of the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. And this is what they, the Pharisees said. We noticed that all of these men spent time with Jesus. You're not going to be courageous and full of faith and trust in God if you're not making God a priority in your life. Christ has to be a priority. <clears throat> Two, meditate on the promises of God. There's so many promises in the word of God that are for you as a believer in Christ. Your identity, who you are, and what he promises you. He wants you to declare those truths over your life and stand on them and believe them. He is your provider. He is your way maker. You are righteous because of what Christ has done, not based off your performance. You're forgiven. His mercies are new every morning. What is he saying about you? Know the truth and stand on it. And in addition to that, God promises us individually little, like, secret petitions in our hearts to each of us. He has a unique calling on your life. And when you stand on that and believe that, regardless of what it looks like in the natural, you choose to believe by faith, God is well pleased. Meditate on the truth of God's word. Number three. Surround yourself with people that will infuse faith and trust in God. Who you hang out with matters. Your inner circle, it matters. I I can tell you, the moment I started zeroing in on the purpose God had for me, I have lots of critics coming in my ears saying lots of things. And if I chose to listen to them, I would not be standing here today. And I would not be stepping into my purpose today. Know who you're surrounding yourself with. It will take courage to start slowly, kindly weeding them out of your life and letting people that are friends to your destiny be close and and have a voice that will encourage you and inspire you to keep going when it looks bleak, when things don't seem. They can speak truth into your life and help elevate you to become what you're called to be. Your friends matter. And number four, When God speaks, obey. When God speaks, obey. Not a year from now, not five years from now, when you know that it's God, you don't have to have all the details figured out. A lot of us are control freaks. We have to have every, we have to have know all the details about everything before we're willing to act. But when you know that you know it's God, step out and trust him. He will part the Red Sea when you step into it and put the staff down. He wants obedience. He wants us to be filled with faith and trust. And when you step out and you're leaning on him, that is the best place in the world to be. The best place. Some of the wealthiest places in our world today are graveyards. Filled with unfulfilled dreams, untapped potential, and people who've gone to their grave not fulfilling the dreams God's put in their heart. God wants, has brought me here today as we step into 2020. He has a calling on your life. 
If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he has a calling and a purpose for you. And he wants you to step into it. He wants you to be filled with faith and trust in him that he will accomplish what he's promised you. The past is the past. You can't change it, but God's mercies are new every morning. And he wants to help you fulfill the dream and purpose he's put in you. And so my, what I'm looking at here today is a bunch of Joshua and Caleb's, David's. You might not even see yourself as that, but God sees you as that. And the truth is you're to come into agreement with what he says about you, not what this internal voice is trying to say to you, not what others have spoken over your life. Choose to believe the truth of God's word. You can and will fulfill the purpose God's put in you. Amen? Amen? Well, I wanna, I wanna end this in prayer and then I'm gonna do a call for salvation. But if this message has ministered to you, I just want you to, um, let's all stand to our feet. Let's all stand to our feet. And with hands outstretched, just in the quiet of your heart, this is between you and God. God, I wanna be a person of faith and trust in you. I wanna be a person that hears your voice and walks in obedience. I wanna be a person that will live in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and fulfill the purpose you've created me for. Help me today to live in light of you. Father, you have your kids here today eagerly desiring to know you and to walk with you. I pray, God, that you would infuse in them faith and courage and strength to step into 2020 and, and to take ground for the kingdom of God and that they would step further into their personal God-given destiny and purpose. I speak over Elevate, that Elevate would continue to grow and flourish and be all that God wants it to be. I speak over their leadership, courage and strength infuse faith into them, God. May they fulfill the purpose you've put in their hearts. Father, help us all to live in light of you. We trust you, God. We're leaning on you to direct our steps. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Well, I have another group of people. Maybe you're here today and you've never heard what it means to have a relationship with God. Well, he's knocking on the door of your heart. There's like this tugging at your heart that he wants you to be part of his family. But there's something that separates us from God. And the Bible calls it sin. And you're in good company because we've all sinned. No one, no one is exempt. We're all guilty. We all have a sinful nature. But God, in his perfect time, dealt with sin. And that is through the person of Jesus Christ. God sent his son to be the payment and penalty for sin once and for all. And he died on a cross nailing all of our shameful deeds to the cross. And then he rose from the dead, conquering the power of sin had over our lives. And it's a free gift. You don't, can't earn it. You can't pay for it. There's nothing you can do except receive it by faith. And God is reaching out to you today because he wants you to be part of his family forever. Heaven is real. You're gonna spend eternity somewhere. And God is knocking on the door of your heart right now because he wants you to spend it with him forever in heaven. He loves you with the most incredible love and he's been after you for a long time. And today's the day to make the decision to follow him. So I'm gonna give you that opportunity. In the quietness of your heart, basically I, you just reach out to God and say, Jesus, I believe you died for me. 
I believe you rose from the dead and I'm asking you to come into my heart to forgive me of my sin so that I can become part of your family. So I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pray a prayer. And what I want you to do, if that is you and you've never made the decision for Jesus Christ, I just want you to raise your hand as an act of faith and courage. We talked about faith today. Have the courage to put your hand up. No one's gonna shame you or anything. In fact, everyone just close your eyes. This is between you and God. On the count of three, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life and you want to invite him into your heart. It's the best decision you could ever make. So one, two, three. Just raise that hand up. I see hands being raised. Anyone else who wants, I see another hand. Anyone else who wants to make Jesus the Lord of your life? You want him to come into your heart, to be part of his family and to receive that gift of forgiveness. We'll wait just a couple more minutes, seconds, seconds. Awesome, okay, well, we're gonna pray this prayer. Everyone just pray this prayer and you're gonna invite Jesus into your heart if this is your first time. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for letting me be part of your family. Help me to be, help me to get to know you and to live for you this day forward. Help me to be around people that can encourage me to walk with you. And help me to fulfill the purpose you've put in, in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen.